mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, When God Says Yes. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses 1 and 2. Here now, Pastor Moody. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of Psalms, 127. Psalm 127. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a little bit, preach a little while tonight. I mean, it's going to help me preach tonight. Amen. I want to just preach a little bit tonight, kind of build on part of what I said in the message this morning about when God says no and what was in the bulletin that I did this week. And uh, I want to turn that around and deal with when God says yes. Tell somebody every now and then God says yes. Hallelujah. Real often God says yes. But sometimes he says no. And he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Look at Psalm 127. I'm just going to read the first two verses. It said, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wake, waketh or wakes, but in vain. It is vain or useless for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Father, I thank you tonight for the word of God. I thank you tonight for the anointing. I need you tonight. Just come to me and help me tonight to preach. Lord, bless this congregation to hear. Help us all, Lord, to receive from God tonight. And we'll give you praise. Lord, just have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach just a little while tonight uh, from this scripture. According to theologians, I I know most Bible uh, titles credit this psalm to Solomon. But most of the theologians you read after the commentary say it's not certain if Solomon wrote it or David wrote it. But certainly one of them did. It's a psalm of a song of degrees. Uh, that and these songs of degrees were songs that they sang as they would ascend into the temple. And David wrote many of them, even though he didn't build the temple, but he wrote them by faith, knowing that one day soon his son would build the temple, they would be able to ascend to worship God, and there to bring sacrifice and go into the Holy of Holies in the presence of the Lord. And so I begin to think about uh, this, this particular psalm. And... The idea was that David, as I mentioned this morning, wanted to build the house for God. He wanted to build the temple, Sister Terry. It was in his heart to do it. And he said, I live in a sealed house, and the ark of God sits under a curtain or under a tent. That's what David said. 
And so God began to, or David began to be stirred. I want to be careful what I say here and choose my words correctly. With the idea of building a tabernacle, building a temple, actually a house for God, with the sole intent of having a place for the Ark of the Covenant to sit behind the veil in the Holy of Holies and to have out in front of that, that holy place with the lampstand and the table of shoe bread and the altar of incense. The lampstand, of course, representing the illumination, amen, of God's revelation and the Spirit. The table of shoe bread representing the fresh Word of God, the fresh bread, amen, that was placed there every day. That shoe bread represented the fact that there is a rhema. There's a fresh word that God can speak to you with. I want to tell you today, I think that as we look at the temple and even the tabernacle in the wilderness, they were a type of Christ. They were, you entered through the, the gate of the court and the first thing you came to was the brazen altar. The brazen altar was where the multitudes came to make sacrifice. I want to tell you it represented Calvary. It represented the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. You could come, amen, with your offering. You could come with the lamb or with the ram. Even those that were, that were uh, uh, less fortunate that couldn't afford to buy the bullock or to buy the sheep or, the, or whatever, they could, they could buy pigeons or turtle doves, just whatever their economy would allow. And they could come to that altar and a sacrifice. Blood could be spilled. Can you say amen? From that temple mount, later as this temple was built, amen, Josephus and some of the historians would write that so many lambs, so many animals were sacrificed that that Kidron Valley, that brook that runs through the Kidron Valley, most of the time ran red with the blood that was, amen, spilling out from that tabernacle and from that, uh, from that altar, of, from that brazen altar, that place of sacrifice. And so when we begin to think about this tabernacle, you, you went from there to the laver. And at the laver, it was the place where the priests were sanctified. It was really just a large brass bowl that was set up on a foundation made of, of bulls or beasts of burden to show that God had taken up on his back the idea of making man holy. I want to tell you that every one of us need to be made holy. Can you say amen? The reason is that we're fallen humans. We're the fallen nature. We can never stand before God in His holiness in our own condition. Amen. Our natural condition, I should say. But there's a need for cleansing. Hallelujah. I'm glad the Scripture says that there's a fountain for uncleanness and ungodliness that's open in the house of David. It's, a, it's a blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. There's a place where you can be washed, where you can be sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word to prepare you for service. And the priest would leave the brazen altar. He'd go to the laver. And from the laver, then he would enter into the holy place. That's where the lampstand was. That's where the showbread was. And the most important thing in the holy place, now, not the holiest place, but the, place, but the holy place, was the altar of incense. Because that represented worship. 
And once the man was cleansed and once he was sanctified, he could go into the holy place and he could find the fresh bread that was set out there that represented the Word of God. He could get illumination into his life. I want to tell you something, folks. You and I need to be in a place where the Word of God can speak to us. Amen. I I don't mean just hearing preaching. I don't mean just, you know, having a regiment of reading. But I think we need to have a tender heart. We need to have a listening ear of the Spirit. He that hath an ear over and over again, the Bible says, let him hear. Don't just listen. Don't be a forgetful hearer. But, but be one that, that takes in what God says. Because in that place there, he could get equipped with the Word. He could be illuminated, amen, by God's presence. And then worship could take place. I'll tell you, worship is so essential to God. Worship is not done ignorantly. Worship is not done haphazardly. But worship is prescribed by God. Amen. There are certain things that God will accept. Can you say amen? So I want you and I to get to a place where we can, amen, receive what God has to say. And so this tabernacle that was built, they would get into the holy place and then they would begin to worship, begin to offer upon the altar of incense and the smoke would begin to rise up from the worship. Then he would take the censer and he would put in that censer, amen, the, uh, the incense, and he'd take fire from off the altar, and he'd put it in there, and he'd, uh, God would, according to some recollections, you know, the, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place, there was no separation in it. There was no tear in it. There was no way under it, no way around it. But it was believed that God would literally translate that priest into that holy of holiest places. And I want to say this. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. That's what legend is. But I know this, that that man had to be anointed. He had to be be, sanctified. He had to have on the proper garments to come into the presence of God. I want to tell you, if he went in unprepared, if he went in, amen, with less than what God had prescribed, he could die behind that veil. Are you hearing me? Flesh cannot take the presence of God. The reason why they carried the censer, amen, that smoked up the inside of the Holy of Holies was for two reasons. First of all, God didn't want to smell flesh. And secondly, God didn't want to see flesh. He wanted worship to come into that place, amen, covered with the anointing oil, covered with the presence of God. Amen. I want to tell you something tonight, church. It's possible for us to go behind the veil. Hallelujah. It's possible for us to enter the holy of holies, to come into the presence of God, amen, and receive the good things that God has in store for his people, amen, to be able to walk in the blessings of God. If you believe it, give him praise. Hallelujah. Glory. So David's heart was to build this kind of temple. And as I told you this morning, God said no. Now, I want to say this. When God says no, the wisest thing you can do is take him seriously. Take him seriously. I, I begin to think about this this afternoon. And I thought about over the years, 
I've seen God say no. I've seen God say no to men and to women about some of the ambitions and the things they wanted to do. I've seen God say no to people about some of the decisions they were determined to make. Can I get a witness in this house? And when God says no, to walk the other way and try to make it a yes can be disaster. When God says no and you still pursue your own ambitions, you'll have to walk over the Word of God to go where you want to go. You'll have to walk by, amen, the direction of the Holy Ghost to go where you want to go. I remember years ago a prominent preacher had fallen and it made news, maybe not to the scale that some of the others did, but this man had fallen into a horrible sin and later when his ministry was destroyed and his life was in shambles, he made this statement. He said, I don't know how I got myself in the position he said, "Where well, I, you know, he said I can understand not listening to your peers. I can understand disregarding the admonitions of other preachers. I could understand even disregarding, Amen. The the you know the pleadings of my wife." He said, "A man can get in that kind of shape." But he said, I'll never understand how I got to the place where I could say no to the Holy Ghost. Where I could disregard what God was saying. I want to tell you when God says no, it's for your own good. Can somebody say amen? When God says no, he's got a reason why that he's saying it. Amen. The Bible said all things work together for the good for them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And sometimes, child of God, God will say no because the thing you're trying to do is not according to his purpose. It's not, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not according to the will of God. But if you'll listen to God, what he says no to, he'll direct you to something that'll be a thousand times yes and a thousand times better. If you believe it, give him praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So David wanted to build the ark, build the house. He wanted a place for the ark. For years, Saul had governed Israel and had no regard for the ark of the covenant. I'm just preaching what I feel tonight. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. I want to tell you, can I say this? Worship in the temple, worship in the modern church today is all about the presence of God. Every service should be about the presence of God. Hallelujah. A.W. Tozier wrote a book in the 40s entitled The Pursuit of God. There's always been some preacher in every generation that's not satisfied with just a sermon and a couple of songs. Hallelujah, Brother Jim. God's always had somebody, amen, that, uh, uh, that like a Dr. Ray Hughes, uh, amen, or a T.L. Larry that could take a denomination and a movement into a greater depth and to a higher height. 
right. And it was Tozier, amen, in that Methodist church that wrote the pursuit of God. And then in our generation, God raised up a little apostolic preacher by the name of Tommy Tenney who wrote a book entitled God Chasers that revolutionized worship for a generation. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That we've got to get to the place where we realize the greatest need of our church is the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you the greatest need of our home is the presence of God. The greatest need of our private life is the presence of God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. The same chapter that says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Ends, starts with the leading of the Spirit and ends with grieving the Spirit. It says grieve not the Holy Spirit. When God says no and we disregard it, we grieve the Spirit. I've watched over the years as men who had the touch of God on their lives. Can I, can I just say it? In this church, I've watched families be dismantled because God said no and somebody was too stubborn to listen. Are you hearing me? It means something when God says no. I'm going to heal you in a few minutes. I'm going to preach about when God says yes. But when God says no, I, I used to tell my children no. This new generation of children will stand and look at you and holler, why? I'll preach over here. They don't like that over there. <laughs> and uh, we used to tell our children no, and after a while they understood what it meant. It meant no. And uh, if they didn't understand it, my wife was famous for saying things like, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Are you hearing me? And... Uh, they understood what no meant to some degree. They didn't understand it as much as I did when my daddy said no. But it seemed like the farther we go, oh God, here we go. <laughs> we were seeing more and more people have trouble accepting no. People in churches have trouble accepting correction or, or a negative response. How many knows what I'm saying? But God spoke to David, who was a man after his own heart. And I told you this morning, when David told Nathan, it's in my heart to build a house for God. I'm living in a nice place. The ark of God's sitting in a tent. And David said, it's in my heart to build a house. And Nathan got all excited like any preacher would if the king said he's going to build a new church and said, yes, sir, go build it. Hallelujah. But when Nathan went to pray, how many knows what God said? God said no no now probably wasn't too easy for that prophet of God to walk back into the palace and look at the king and say God said no you can't build it you've shed too much blood and I could imagine David thinking well Saul probably killed more than I did and Saul didn't care about the presence of God. But I did. I wanted to bring the ark back to Israel. 
Hallelujah. And when Yuza died, it was David that cried and said, How shall the ark come unto me? How can I get the presence of God? I want to tell you something tonight, church. I want the presence of God. I, I want the, the amen. Can I just go haul off and say it? I want an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, heartfelt, Holy Ghost outpouring. I want it in every service. Somebody said you can't shout in every service. I say, why not? Amen. Somebody said, you can't have people saved in every service. I say, why not? Are you with me? I just think we need to get to the place where we've got this ambition to have the very presence of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Sometimes God says no. Somebody say no. In Acts chapter 16, Paul made this statement. He said, we, we, was, we was on a missionary trip. We were having good results. And, man, they wanted to go into Asia. They were ready to take new ground, Brother Jim. They were ready to, to enlarge their borders and stretch out their, their ministry. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 6, it said, When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and they were forbidden, hear me, forbidden, of the Holy Ghost to preach the word or the gospel in Asia. They were forbidden. Now think about that. Here's preachers wanting to go somewhere to preach. And God says no. Sort of like the joke they used to tell about the preacher that pastored a little old church and small congregation. And, and just, you know, he just barely surviving and just trying to scratch out a living. And said one day the headquarters called him and said, Brother, said we've got a church open. And said it's a large church in the city. And said it's got a nice parsonage. And said it pays a big salary. And said got a big congregation and wonderful choir. And said we want you to come. Said you've served there long enough. We want you to be the pastor of that church. We want you to make a move up. And he said, well, he said, let me, uh, let me pray about it. And said he got off the phone. He told his wife. He said, I'm going to pray. You go pack. <laughs> See, if I hear what I'm saying, what would happen if God said no? Amen. What, what would happen, you know, if God said no? I, I remember years ago. Uh, there was a preacher that came to Ashland Avenue Baptist Church in Lexington and preached a meeting over there, Brother Joe. And uh, he preached the message one night entitled, I am Abraham's servant. And a uh, uh, guy that I work with went to that church, to the Ashland Avenue Church. Ross Range was the famous pastor of that church for several decades. Great man of God, great preacher. And uh, this brother came over there and preached one night, I am Abraham's servant. And uh, I, he brought me a copy back then of the cassette tape. And I took it home and I listened to it. And in his message, it was, it was the story of his life. And uh, he said, I learned that it's better to be a servant than to be a hireling. It's better to be a servant than to be a lord over God's heritage. It's better to be a servant than try to do things your way. And God had sent this man to Brazil as a missionary some years before. He'd had great success. He got, had went into a t an area there and started meetings and got a lot of people saved. 
built a great church, had a congregation of over a thousand people, had built a Bible school and, and an, edu- an elementary school all the way up through a high school. And he had a great ministry going there uh, uh, in, in Brazil. And he said one day he was praying and said God spoke to him and reminded him of a little church up in the mountains, amen, of Kentucky where he was born. And said God began to deal with him about that little falling down church. And he said, every time I'd go to pray, I'd see that church. And said, God began to deal with him about leaving Brazil, resigning that great work, and coming back to the mountains of Kentucky to pastor that church. And I'm listening to this, you know. And, and he said, uh, he, you know, he wrestled with God. And he said, but God, this is my heart. I'm here. I've, I've adapted. I've adjusted. He have even had a child to die there in Brazil during that ministry. And he said, I don't want to leave this place my son's buried here but God kept talking to him and uh, so he said finally it got to the place that I couldn't say no to God anymore and he resigned that church and he came back home said he went to the mountains and when he got there he went to that church and there it was the windows broke out of it the building falling down the floorboards rotted out and he said he walked up on the porch of it and almost fell through and he said I began to weep and said oh I've missed God that I'm going to go back to Brazil and he said all of a sudden I heard God say no you haven't missed it this is where I brought you and he said so that Monday he said I got some tools and I rolled up my sleeves and I got out there and I started repairing the church people would drive by and look at him and they'd some of stop now and then and say what are you doing man he said I'm repairing the house of God I'm going to open this church up and he said I finally got the old building where it was safe to walk into and he said God said you need to dig a footer because you're going to have to build on he said God I ain't got not a member I ain't got a singer I ain't got nothing God said just keep working so he said he got out there with a shovel and said he started digging he was digging he said God I ain't got no money even for this and said he is digging here come a farmer down the road on a tractor and said he stopped and got off the tractor and walked up there and looked at him and said preacher what in the world are you doing He said, I'm going to build on to this church. He said, why? He said, God told me to. He said, man, you ain't got nobody. He said, "Uh, who's going to help you? And the preacher said, about that time God spoke and said, he's going to. And he said, looked at him and said, well, I reckon you will. So the farmer said, I'll be back in a little while. Then he took his tractor and left, directly come back with a tractor with a trailer on it. Bunch of tools and brought one of his work hands. They started digging the footer. Said after a while, said the old farmer raised up and wiped the sweat. Looked at him and said, Preacher? He said, Yes, sir. Didn't even know the man's name. He said, Who's going to pay for this? God spoke to the preacher and said, He is. Preacher looked at him and said, I reckon you will. And he said, I reckon so. And he said, For long we had the footer in. And the foundation laid. And he said, I come out to the job site one morning and said, here come a load of lumber. And the old farmer rolled up on his tractor and got off grinning. Said, preacher, you're going to break me, but we're going to build a church. Hallelujah. (laughs) Is anybody hearing me? And he said, I begin to work. And we begin to build that church. 
And he said, then all of a sudden we begin to go out in the community. We begin to hold meetings and go into houses and invite people. And he said, before you knew it, the church began to grow. And that morning when he was standing in that church at Ashland Avenue preaching, he said, right now we've got 2,500 members. Right now we've got a, a Bible school and a grade school and a high school. And he said, if God says leave tomorrow, I won't say no. I'll say yes. We need to get to the place where we can hear God. Can you say amen? So God said no to David. But then, somebody say, but then. He said yes to Solomon. And uh, I, I mentioned this, mor- this morning that when God said yes to Solomon, all of a sudden he gave him wisdom. But he also gave him an anointing that was unusual. And he gave him an anointing to get wealth. Somebody said to get rich. Hallelujah. And when you read the story of Solomon, you read of ships coming from Tarshish. If you remember, that's the place Jonah tried to run off to. Ships come from Tarshish with gold and silver and bedillion. Ships came from Tarshish with Apes and peacocks came with with unusual things. The cedars of Lebanon began to come. And it seemed like Hiram, amen, began to send everything that Solomon could need. And he would send workers that were skilled craftsmen. And Solomon would send him gold to pay for it. And then when they began to overlay everything in that temple with gold, As you read it, it says, God began to anoint men to be able to design that place and to make it not like anything on planet earth. And I know that's an extreme, but can I tell you, if you'll just hear God's yes, if you'll just move when God says move, if you'll just do what God says do, you'll find that there's an anointing that comes with God's yes. Can I get a witness? You'll find when God begins to direct your steps and they're ordered by the Lord, it's there's an anointing that comes. And because of the anointing, yokes are destroyed, hindrances are moved, and the favor of God begins to move in your life. Begins to move in your life. When God says yes, somebody say yes. There's peace that passes understanding. When God says yes, all of a sudden there's productivity. Will you say amen? I was thinking about uh, Simon Peter. And if you look at John chapter 21, Jesus had called uh, Simon and Andrew and and James and John from the fishermen's uh, uh, trade to be fishers of men. Jesus had been crucified and Jesus had been buried and resurrected and there was a time that it seems that, that uh, before his ascension, of course they were confused, they were perplexed, can you say amen? And Peter made a statement in John 21 and verse 3. The scripture said, well, let me back up in verse 2. It said there, were, there was together Simon Peter and Thomas, old doubt and Thomas, Nathaniel of Cain of Galilee, Zebedee, 
and uh, the other two, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two other disciples. Somebody say two other disciples. Unnamed. There's probably me and you. Uh, you all just let that soak in for a minute. There are times when other people want to seem to get off course. They, they get negative. They get, they get discouraged. They, they lose track of the hunger for God. They lose the idea of pursuing God. And if you're not careful, the other two unnamed disciples can be me and you. Because it's easy to fall in to the sentiment of the crowd. Are you with me? Unless God says no. But if you'll make your mind up, I'm going to be faithful to God. Sometimes God will say yes. And in John 21, when all of this was going down, the scripture said that, that Peter, in verse number 3, said to them, I go a fishing. Let me translate. I'm going back to my old way of living. I'm, you know, I'm going to give up on the preaching business. I'm going back to fishing. And, and when, when a leader makes a wrong move, some of them that were with him said, we're going too. Hello. How many knows if you, if you make a wrong move, somebody's going to follow you? So they said, we go also with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship. And that night, somebody say it, they caught nothing. Can I tell you, that was God's, how many knows what the first two letters of the word nothing is? No. That was God's no. That's not what I want you to do. God was saying no. But then the scripture said, but when Jesus, when the morning was coming, verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was him. I mean, man, they done got so bad off they couldn't even recognize the Lord when he was there. Has anybody ever been in churches like that? Anybody know preachers like that? Can't recognize God when he is there. And Jesus stood on the shore. They didn't know it was him. And Jesus said to them, children, have ye any meat? Do you know, this is kind of odd. But in the, in, the, in the Greek, when Jesus says children, you know what it actually says? It actually says sirs, which means Lords, in other words, that you've made your decision. You're your master now. Do you have any meat? Let me translate. Hey, boys, are you catching anything? And they responded to Jesus. They answered him, no. Then he said, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it out for the multitude. Can you say amen? They, they were not able to pull the net up because of the weight of it. And, and really, that was God's yes. That was God saying, what you need to do is follow Jesus. What you need to do is be faithful to the Lord. What you need to do is allow God to have his way in your life. If you'll do that, if you'll determine this is what God called me to do, this is what God's word says, this is what God is saying, I'm not going to disregard it. And when you begin to step forth, oh hallelujah, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear God's yes. You're going to receive God's God's favor, you're going to get God's blessing, can you say amen? Amen. 
few weeks ago, I told you all, I, I went up to Irvin and I preached a, a, a funeral on a Sunday afternoon. I, I preached here Sunday morning and I gave the altar call and I turned it over to the other preachers and I ran out the door and I went straight to Irvin and preached the funeral for a biker. When I say a biker, I don't mean, I mean a biker. I mean, a, these were some rough characters. The place was full of them. God put those people in my hand. I mean, he put them in my hand for a few minutes. Man, I just poured all the love that I could pour in them. I poured it on them. But I preached them the gospel. I let them know you couldn't ride a Harley or a Honda to heaven, either one. I told him, you must be born again. And the old boy that was, had passed away was pretty much sort of a leader of the pack. And I'd led him to Jesus five years before when they said he wouldn't live through the night. And God healed him, saved him and healed him and gave him five more years. And I'll never forget it. I'm standing up there at that casket. A young lady come up to me and fell against me sobbing. And she said, I needed what you had to say. And I said, what you need is one I told you about. You need Jesus. She said, I know it. And she said, I'm going to come to church. I said, you can pray today. You can give your heart to God today. You can say yes to Him today. I said, you don't have to wait till you get to church. Everybody's lined up waiting to come by the casket. I'm here one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I'm trying to get this girl saved. I said, honey, Christ is the answer. He's the only one. She's tattooed. She's marked up. She's pierced. She's got the look of that world on her. And I said, you need Jesus, honey. He loves you. He died for you just like he died for him. I said, give him your heart right now. You know what she did? She said no. She didn't say it in words, but she said it with her actions. She pulled away and she said, but I will be there. She's not been here. This afternoon, she's in the Madison County Jail. You understand what I'm telling you? You say no to God, God's no is worse than your no. Can you say amen? But if you'll say yes to God, His yes is glorious. God will do things in your life when He says yes. Hallelujah. Give Him praise if you would. I hope I'm helping you all tonight. Let me go on. Sometimes God says no, and he just takes his hand off of a situation. That's how he says no. And he lets you try to do it your own way. And we're bound and determined. How many's ever been in that shape? And the question begs to be asked, how'd that work out for you? Sometimes... God says no with a warning. He says no with a scripture warning or with a prophetic word or with a preached message. Can you say amen? Sometimes God says no with, with a circumstance. Amen. 
the psalmist in Psalm 19, amen, talking about God's judgments. He said, they're more to be desired than gold. Amen, yea, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. And he said, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is a great reward. In other words, God says, sometimes I say no, and if you'll listen to that, it's like honey from the honeycomb. But if you disregard it, and you walk away from God, you know what? There's been, there's been hundreds of people, hundreds of people that have prayed in these altars, and God changed their life. But the next day, when it came time, and God said no, they tried to make it a yes. And by that I mean instead of obeying God, they did their own thing. And many have come, and, and God has dealt with them, and God has brought them to an altar of prayer, and they've cried and poured their hearts out to God. But how many knows it's more than just sorrow? It's more than just tears, but it's a surrender. And when you surrender and you give God everything, God says yes to His blessings in your life. Let me try to hurry and close with this. Psalm 127. Listen to what God does when he says yes. The Bible said, the psalmist said, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. In other words, when God's yes is upon it, God will build it. He said no to David, but he said yes to Solomon. And the writer, whether it was Solomon or David, whichever one it was, said accept. Somebody say accept. The Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. Doesn't matter what you want to do, what you're trying to do. It takes the anointing of God to get it done. So if God builds the house, it'll work. The second thing God does is He watches. Amen. Except the Lord keeps or watches or secures the city. The watchman wakes but in vain. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. It's God that watches over you, can you say amen, when he says yes. The third thing is, God feeds. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Amen. Isaiah said, why would you spend your money, amen, in your labor for that which doesn't satisfy, for that which is not meat and drink? He said, come and buy milk and honey without pride. Come and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I want to tell you, God will provide everything you need. When his yes is on your life. And then the last thing he said was, he gives his children sleep. He gives his people a rest that you can't find anywhere else. I wonder how many of this building tonight, besides me, were just absolutely wore out with sin before you got saved. Was anybody just wore out with it? I mean, wore out with, the, with the, the life, whatever it was. I won't stand here and enumerate all the things we enumerate all the time. But I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I mean, I'd had enough sin to do a, a multitude of people in my life. And I 
couldn't sleep at night. And nothing satisfied me. And I was a wreck. But God's a wreck rebuilder. Can you say amen? And when I got saved, can I tell you something? He gave me rest. I entered in to His rest. I, my sleep, can I say this? My sleep is sweet. Brother Mitty, you mean you, when you go to bed at night and go to sleep, it's sweet? Well, yeah, I enjoy that too. But I'm talking about the rest of my soul. I've quit striving and grappling and trying to get a hold of something to satisfy me. I finally found it. Hallelujah. He gave me rest, Brother Jim. I'm resting in the arms of Jesus. I'm resting in the anointing. I'm resting in the peace of God. I rest in the favor of the Lord. I rest in the goodness of God. Can I go on? Amen. I rest in the richness. Amen. Of the fullness of God. I rest. Amen. In the glory of His presence. I rest in, in the, the magnificence of His wonderful Word. Hallelujah. I rest in the fellowship. Hallelujah. Ain't nobody had to get me up this morning threatened me to come to church. I was glad to come see you here this morning. I was glad to come in among the saints. Whoever's begotten of God, John said loves him also. That was begotten. How many's excited when it's time to get together and go to church? Hallelujah. There's a rest. The writer of Hebrews said there remains therefore rest. God gives rest. He gives sleep. He gives peace he brings you out of the turmoil of sin he brings you out of it and brings you into the presence of God when God says yes somebody say amen when God says yes he's able to build something in our life he watches out for us. He feeds us. Hallelujah. He feeds our spirits. He feeds our bodies. God will nurture our relationships. God will bless when He says yes because we surrendered our lives to Him. How many is glad God said yes? I used to sing, come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. Come unto Jesus. Let him have his way. If you'll come and surrender. Now listen, here's the key. Surrender completely. Don't hold back. God will say his yes. And begin to build his temple in your life. Set our hearts on you, Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.